Knock, knock. Who, who's there? Peter. P- Peter who? Peter, our mutual friend. <laughs> Peter Adonko? <laughs> why? why? Yeah. Why? Why though? He's just—he just came by to say hello, man. He just came by, but he didn't. You just—what does this have to do with anything? We're a film and TV podcast, and he's never been a guest. Okay. Knock knock. Who's there? Eric. Eric. Who? Eric Kerwin, our mutual friend. (laughs) Why? Okay, we've done this cold open now. This is the second time, and every time you do a knock-knock joke, you just say another mutual friend we have. They're they're here to watch a movie. Hold on, hold on. Let's finish the knock-knock joke. Eric who? Wait, I wait. Did you? Eric Kerwin, a mutual friend. Wait, did I say Eric who already? Oh, I already did that. God damn it. Knock-knock. Who's there? Philip. No. (laughs) Philip who? Philip Farin, our friend, our mutual friend, Simon. What, what, why? This is only funny for the two of us because we've recorded this multiple times. Like, and I just the third consecutive cold open time. attempt. We're trying a knock knock joke, and you said you have a different idea, and you just say a mutual friend each time. I say, God damn it! Oh my god. Speaking of knocking on things, this week we'll review director M. Night Shyamalan's film Knock at the Cabin. We'll discuss whether or not there should have been a Eddie Murphy starring Donkey movie as opposed to the most recently released Puss in Boots The Last Wish movie. And we'll dive deep into a discussion about the newly announced DC Universe film and TV slate as announced by James Gunn. Welcome to Split Focus, a film and TV podcast episode 104. Hello there. My name is Simon Eady, and alongside me, I have my co-host, and the last person you'd expect... To be married by a Vegas Elvis impersonator, Adrian Pinter. How does it go, sir? How does it go? General Kenobi, it goes quite well, Simon Edie. How are you, man? What's new? How's life? Ah, you know, same old, same old stuff. Mm. You know? Yeah. It's me and you, you know, every, every Monday. Talking. For a little recording sesh. Yeah. Yeah. Watch some, watch some fun stuff this week. Watch some fun movies and TV shows, though, that we'll get into. That's cool. Oh, Okay. I can't wait to hear yeah. those things. Yeah. Yeah. Me neither. Cool. Me either? Me. Me. Th- My brain is. Me. Having a little bit of a fart. Just keep it at me. You? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me. Let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> this, this this ridiculous. That's a dumb bit. Two second bit has gone on long enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so we, as we start every show, Adrian, let's talk our quick bites, our quibby you know, quibby news stories for this week. Firstly, we've got a little bit of a follow-up from last week. Oh! Yeah, as we we often do. Actually, was it last week or the week before? But it's about the Netflix password sharing deal. Um, I feel like we've been talking about that every week, but I could be wrong. I know. Let's let's try to tone it down after this week if we can, although they might announce their actual plans for North America. But many websites, many publications believe – the Netflix did announce their plans for the 
curbing of password sharing. I don't mm. know if you saw that. Did you see that? I did. I saw it making the rounds. A lot of websites posting about it, even like uh, big websites like the IGNs of the world. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I was, uh, I don't know. I kind of found it a little annoying. I feel like they were milking it and they were making very clickbaity titles because Netflix mm -hmm. did not announce, they did not announce their or unveil their plans to prevent password sharing. Mm -hmm. Although that, I, as I just read it there, was the title of the IGN article. So yeah, yeah I think that's a little misleading and I feel, feel like it's very unprofessional is what I would, I would argue it is. But again, it made the rounds on the internet and some, some publications were saying, you know, no, they haven't announced it yet. And some were, were saying they had. The reason why there was a mistake or people thought this was the case is because Netflix had mistakenly posted their, on their help page, uh, they posted the, the guidelines for password sharing and what it would look like under the new rules. Yeah. And they thought, and it was a United States, it was on the United States page and the help page for the United States, but then they took it off like right away. But then some publication, some website picked it up and they're like, Oh, oh look at this. They, they renounced the rules. And then Netflix responded to that same website. I think it was the streamable or something like that. Some website mm. called the streamable. I think it is the hit website. Yeah. The streamable. And they uh, and Netflix said, no, 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 hold up. Only in Latin America do we have these rules currently. This was a complete mistake. Uh, we apologize. Mm. So, yeah, it's I, it's very misleading. But the cool thing about it, or the interesting thing about it, is that they, if you look at the rules themselves um, in Latin America, if you go to the Costa Rica help page, or if you just kind of, you know, peruse that help website through different countries. It is kind of interesting what they were because they or what they are listed there for the curbing of password sharing or, or the rules, the new mm -hmm. rules for password sharing are in South America. So we can kind of get an idea based on that pilot program running over in South America, over there in South America, that we might be able to understand what it is exactly here or what it might be here. But I want to make it very clear. Like we know that between countries, the rules Netflix is pricing and the way that they run things, the content they have in each country and region, it differs very drastically. So I don't mm -hmm. think that this is, again, it's very honest reporting on IGN's part to say they've unveiled it because it hasn't been unveiled. Mm. Yeah, no, I get where you're coming from. I think I think it's it's a huge assumption to think that this is going to be the same rule set everywhere. I I kind of like I think I'm on the side of this is probably going to be the rule set. I imagine uh, I think the big thing is that you have to log into the like your Wi-Fi network within what is it 30 days, 28 days, something like that. 31 days. 31 days. Um, you have to log into a Wi-Fi network on the device and watch something on Netflix um, on that device, which is if they do push this out to the wider world. I think that's really dumb because I think mostly if I don't know about you, if I ever watch Netflix on my phone, which is rare, but on occasion I will. It's usually when I'm out and about. I don't recall the last time I have opened Netflix on my phone at home. So hypothetically speaking, if I haven't opened Netflix on my phone in a couple months and then I go on a trip and I forget to do this prior to going, I technically won't be able to watch Netflix on my phone if I understand correctly. I don't think you do. So what's what's the rule set? Fill me in, Simon. So you said that the rule set seems to be the same, but I don't think it is because Costa Rica is running something with an extra program, but that 
that sheet that they posted in the United States help page mm-hmm. didn't have the extra add-on program available. The extra add-on program means that on your account, you can add extra fees to allow people who are password sharing, who are living mm-hmm. somewhere else in the same country to, to add themselves to your account. So the profile is being yeah. paid for, like for instance, college kids, like kids going off to college, they used to live in the same household, but now they live you know, in a far off state or province. Mm-hmm. Uh, and therefore, uh, they're not living in the same household. The IP address and Wi-Fi, like Wi-Fi information, is being tracked by Netflix now. So that's kind of the idea. The 31 days, just to be clear, um, is a is a, is an actual is a metric to determine what the main household is. Because how do you know what the primary household is? What if you move or something like that? So the devices mm. in that primary household, once they actually attach to the IP address or Wi-Fi then the signals to Netflix that that is the primary household. So that's kind of the idea. But when Netflix detects uh, when, that somebody at a device is uh, persistently out of, uh, out of the household based on the Wi-Fi information that's now being logged on the Netflix mm-hmm. app or through the browser, through that account, let's say they go, someone goes on a trip, as an example, or a business trip or, you know, sorry, vacation or business trip, whatever. Yeah. Um, or not, I mean, they just might move to a different state or a different province or whatever it may be. Then Netflix will say, hey, it turns out you are not in the household. You're not living in the household. And so they'll prompt to give you a seven-day code so that you have to use the seven-day code and it's, just, it's available for seven days or you'll be locked out. That's mm. the way it works. And then the part about the extra program, I kind of I got sidetracked there. The extra thing may or may not come to North America. That's the thing. I that's why, that's why it's confusing is that that part is all dicey. We don't know. They might not add the extra program. They might just prompt because the mistake page that was posted to the U.S. help uh, Netflix help page um, okay. is actually that mistake didn't show the extra program available. It's just said, please make your own account is what it said. <laughs> please so, they're just yeah, begging yeah. you they're begging you at this point <laughs> well it was saying make your own account if you're outside of the household it, it didn't ah. say we're going to give you an extra option so like the extra add-on the add-on by the way is definitely well apparently according to that costa rican uh page help page it says that the add-on will be less than the basic tier but you cannot add the add-on the extra add-on to a add tier program apparently that's not oh, a, okay. that's not going to be available so it has to be the basic like basic netflix the 999 uh, option in canada as an example anyways that all, does that clear it up hopefully i think so so let's say i i don't log in on my phone for like two months then i log into netflix out and about i'll get a seven day code yeah they'll just... prompt to give you a seven day okay code. but hypothetically speaking if i'm not home within seven days then my phone will be locked so that's essentially yeah. What you I was won't be thinking. able to use Netflix exactly. Mm. And if okay. you log in, so this is a tricky thing. So if you log in for the first time on a device, let's say you go on a trip and you lose your phone and you get a new phone, like you, mm-hmm. let's say you go on a trip to Sicily or whatever, you know? Yeah, Sicily. Yeah, Sicily. Like I'm making like a white White Lotus reference. You go to the White Lotus Hotel and you're okay. and you're like, oh no, I dropped my phone in the river in the, in the ocean. Is that also a reference the, to White Lotus? I never watched it. No, it isn't. Whatever. Okay. You drop my phone. I brought my phone in the sea. Uh, now I'm going to go buy a new phone. So you buy a new phone and you log in. Unfortunately, it seems like when you log in on that new device, they're going to have to prompt for a new code. If you're staying there for two weeks and you drop the phone in the sea in the first week of the two weeks, 
you might be kind of screwed for the second week because you won't oh. have access. But they yeah, won't. That's, that, that's that's so overcomplicated and dumb. Oh, it is stupid. It's pretty God. dumb. It's just not the way I would do this. It's so overcomplicated. They should just they should have just made it so that. So this is something I always thought of too. Like, okay, so the fourth tier of the pre, the premium tier of Netflix, right? It's most expensive. It's twenty two dollars in Canada per month, and it gives you four devices that can be logged in simultaneously. If you had one household. How is it that you would have four devices logged in simultaneously on that account? It seems very unlikely. I always interpreted that like way back, like 10 years ago, eight years ago as, oh, this is the tier in which I can have people sharing out of household. Didn't you kind of interpret that? It is that? Yeah. I mean, I guess so. Yeah. Like I think, I think that's just, it just makes sense, man. Like you're paying that much. It's, I know it's rare that I agree like that four people will be watching simultaneously. I think yeah, I don't know. It's it's silly. We've said this before, but the Crave way would be the best way. Just like register the devices and those are the devices you can use, period, full stop. And then you can adjust it accordingly at any time on the account. Like it, making it this complicated, I don't know, like I'm sure you've seen all the memes online and everything, but you're making it more complicated. And the reason, at least I know for me, uh, I'm, I'm going to, I used to torrent stuff all the time. And the reason I torrented things is because it was easier than actually getting stuff like i you could only get hbo if you had bell at like home cable and all that sort of stuff but as soon as crave was available regardless of if you had a bell like home service or not i stopped torrenting game of thrones and i started paying 20 bucks a month to just stream it there because it's easier i think as soon as you make things more complicated they're just going to go back to pirating stuff and you're just going to lose business. I don't know. I'm I'm so curious to see how this is going to play out long term because I just think like I, I if you're going to make this just as expensive if my parents are like, "Ah, no, I'm not going to do this." Or if I'm out and about, uh, you know, I'm traveling for more than, you know, a month at a time, unlikely, but if I do and I have to do the registration stuff, I'll probably just find a way to torrent something while I'm out and about. I don't really, like, I want to support people. I want to support, you know, creatives and everything like that. But if you're going to make it more complicated and more difficult for me, I'm not going to do it. And I'm pretty certain with a lot of Netflix's original content, you can't buy it digitally, can you? I know some of their bigger stuff you can, but I don't think you can go out and just pick up, I don't know, the three seasons of Dead to Me as an example. Am I wrong about that assumption? I don't know. I feel like Dead to Me would be available. I'm not sure. But there yeah. are some things that were available. Like I saw House of Cards way back like a while ago. I'm pretty sure on the shelf at like my local Best Buy as an example. Yeah. So let's see. I'm going to just open open you on like Google TV. Can I? Box sets aren't available that often yeah. anymore. So you're talking about like iTunes digital downloads, of course. You said. Yeah. Like if I just buy it, like, let's see, I'm going to open an Apple TV on my phone real quick, just out of curiosity. And type in you, see if I can actually just buy that or me, you TV show. Yeah, you typing in, you're typing in Simon, yeah. Simon. Yeah. Okay. So you can actually buy Netflix's content digitally. It's 20 bucks for the season. Yeah. So maybe I, I could jump through that. I, I, yeah. I That's an interesting assessment though. Like I, I'm less likely to torrent anything, but especially now that it's available. It was a, it was a huge yeah. problem with HBO in Canada though, honestly. I didn't have cable and it was very it was a pain in the ass because you couldn't they wouldn't like I'm like, let me pay for this. Why don't you let me pay for this? So when Crave added HBO content, it was awesome. But yeah, you mm -hmm. make a good point. Like the great thing about Netflix and when it was uh, you know, incredibly popular, like five, seven, five, seven, ten years ago, people were talking about, you know, when you make something easy to access, 
at the right price and great content uh, and it's great content you you're like people are willing to kind of pay for it as opposed mm-hmm. to torrent it because it's just the it's more inconvenient and they they want to do the right thing ultimately a lot of the time not not everyone <laughs> some people would just torrent it no matter what but yeah it's yeah it's very very silly to me but I, I don't know. I, again, love isn't sharing a password anymore, Adrian. <laughs> Let's just say that. No, it is not. Netflix doesn't believe in love anymore. Confirmed. It's ridiculous. Yeah, that's right. But yeah. yeah. Oh, well, well, we'll see how it goes. Again, I'm, yeah. I'm curious. Again, they're well within their right to do this. No no question there. I just think it's a bad decision. That's all I'm mm-hmm. saying. Like It's a bad way to do it. You should make your top tier an expensive tier that allows you to share passwords across the country. The other tiers, you can't share passwords. That's solved. You don't have to do, oh, we want to pay a little extra or, or, or like, you know what I mean? Like, or do you want this code? <laughs> like seven day code. Now we're going to give you 14 day codes. We realize seven days isn't enough. Like eventually, you know what I mean? Like that's going to be a complaint, I'm sure. Yeah. So this is just really, really silly stuff. But again, again, I, I'm not a, a major executive at a, at a giant streamer like Netflix. So what do I know, Adrian? I guess we'll see nothing. how they do in this. You know nothing, yeah. you idiot. I'm sorry. Whoa. I was playing that's the I was playing the part of the Netflix executive. It's kind of rude. It's just oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I'll try to recover from that <sighs> little jab. But the Netflix executive isn't saying sorry. This is Adrian saying sorry. I just want you to be aware. Thank you. I appreciate you specifying nice. that. Um, we had another story there, Adrian. Yeah. Another little quick bite. Quick. Watch out. Watch out. Yeah, Simon. I I uh I want to talk about how Eddie Murphy uh, was talking about. He played Donkey in the Shrek movies, the four Shrek movies, and how with the recent success of Puss in Boots, how he wants DreamWorks to make a donkey-centered movie. Um, I think like his quote was, "Donkey is funnier than Puss in Boots." Um, and right. like he was super open to doing it. He would love to do it um, and that they should have done a donkey movie instead of a Puss in Boots movie. However, I, I honestly, I, I like donkey. Don't get me wrong. As a kid, I, I loved Shrek one and two. I, did, I don't think I've ever watched a third or fourth. And donkey's a great character. You know, he's making waffles for Shrek, you know, <laughs> like he's a good guy. Yeah. But I don't really know how you can make a donkey centered movie that would be better than this most recent puss in boots movie but to be fair i didn't think you could make a puss in boots movie better than the shrek you know one and two movies and uh, i would go as far to say that this puss in boots the last wish movie is the best shrek movie simon Mm. yeah yeah i mean it's the best shrekless shrek movie that i've seen in that universe for sure yeah, yeah, a Shrekless Shrek movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I, uh, I found it funny that he was like sh- kind of throwing shade. <laughs> that was the funny part about this. But yeah. I, I do like Donkey. I I just feel like he's he's very much a Shrek centered character, and Puss in Boots is a character that yeah, I don't think he could lead a film. He could for sure. It depends on the right writers, right? You just got to have the right writers uh, and the right director. Like uh, Joel Crawford, what a mm-hmm. guy. The Puss in Boots, The Last Wish director. That, yeah, again, I'm signed up for whatever he makes next because that was a, that, again, the animation in that movie. Oh my goodness. I cried. I laughed. Also, no offense, Donkey is funnier than Puss in Boots. Yeah, okay. It's also Eddie Murphy. That's fine. Eddie Murphy is funnier than Antonio mm-hmm. Banderas. There's no question about these things. I'm not questioning that. But am I going to cry in a Donkey movie? I don't think so. I mean, it, you could try. It, you might you be might. able to write it in, it's possible. But yeah. I cried and I, and I laughed. And the action was ridiculous. What is Donkey going to do? Kick his hind legs back? Yeah. There's no action. I, I don't know. It's a full spectrum, the Puss in Boots experience for the Puss in Boots mm-hmm. The Last Wish. 
if you want that incredible animation and that incredible story, you should go check that out at your local theater audience. That's all I'm saying. I agree. Uh, if it's not in your local theater anymore, you can now buy it digitally, I think, for 25 bucks or something like that. 25 and, Canadian, uh, at least. I don't know if that's worth it. Oh, oh buy it or rent yeah. it? Can you rent it? Buy it. Oh. May, actually, I don't know. Maybe it's a premium rental. I, I actually don't know. I mean, it's worth the purchase, potentially, but I imagine it's going to yeah. be on a streaming service before long. Yeah, we're, uh, DreamWorks movies, at least in Canada, like that, the Bad Guys movie was on or is on Crave, so I wouldn't be surprised if... They put this movie on Crave as well, but I don't know for sure. So it's $30 to buy in Canada, $25 to rent. Ugh. A little, a little expensive. Who would rent it? Psychos. That's like the rental, the actual rental, though, after it's wide released, like to, to rental services or to d- digital and uh, physical copies, is usually like yeah. 5 to $7. Like mm-hmm. if someone is renting it at $25, I don't know what the heck. That's like the premier access price. Don't do this, folks. Please. Spare your dollars. Yeah. At least... Um, or buy it. At least you're not paying for a subscription service and then paying an extra $25 on top of it, though. So. I know. Ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. 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 Blah. Okay. And then all of a sudden, like, a metal breakdown just starts going on. Right now? Bam. Yeah, because in, like, a lot of metal music... They make puke noises? Like, just, like, metalcore songs or whatever. They go, like, blah! And then it's just, like, a fucking, you know, metal... Hmm. Hmm. it's just a it's a fucking metal dude i'm not that aware and it's just the metal it's just the metal dude yeah okay great anyways great to hear adrian what have you been watching this week man what have you been watching because we've been watching i think the similar things but I, I want you to tell me what you've been watching just to make sure just to make sure that the document i'm looking at yeah simon we're both looking at is correct but what have you been watching Tell me. Yes, Simon. So I watched the fourth episode of HBO's The Last of Us. Uh, Again, we've been talking about the show week to week. We've also been posting reviews every week, short reviews on uh, our YouTube and TikTok uh, channels. Uh, You can find us at jar underscore split focus uh, on any of those platforms. But uh, yeah, this episode was pretty darn great, Simon. I think it's... I mean, it is the shortest episode that we've had so far, uh, you know, sitting at around 45 minutes, less than 45 minutes if you remove the credits. Um, but they accomplish a lot in this shorter episode. It's a, it's a setup episode is what I would call this one. It's it's building characters, it's introducing characters, and it's setting things up for what's probably going to be a fairly action-packed fifth episode that I'm quite excited for. Um, fun thing to note is that the fifth episode is now airing on on Friday instead of Saturday. Uh, sorry, instead of Sunday because of the Super Bowl. So they don't want to compete with that. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I enjoyed this. What do you think about this episode, Simon? Uh, I really liked it. Uh, it's... To me, I, almost the second best episode. I, I know that you oh. call it a setup episode, but I, I find that the the magic of it is the fact that it's a setup episode in, in the way that it does character development. It's a slow pace, and it mm-hmm. it follows the you know that relationship between uh, Joel and Ellie quite closely. And so I'm like I'm a big fan of the way it's done. Like one of my favorite episodes of Game of Thrones is a setup episode. It's the Long Night from season eight. So yeah. Yeah, that that is a good point. That episode's brilliant. There's just something about the way the it's paced, and I like the the kind of the travel in this episode because the the story of the Last of Us is literally traveling across the United States, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, I like it. 
I, I really like that. I, I, again, nowhere close to what episode three was. Nowhere close. Yeah. But I do rate this episode a four and a half out of five. I actually also rate this episode a four and a half out of five, Simon. So that makes it a nine out of ten for us, brother. It does. Interestingly, though, you rated it a four and a half out of five, and you rated it all, all three of the other episodes a five out mm-hmm. of five. Can you explain yes. this point five discrepancy? So you believe this is, just to be clear, is worse than the second episode of The Last of Us, which I think is by far the worst. Yeah, I do. This is my, I would say, maybe my least favorite episode, but it's still like all of the episodes are brilliant, including this one. I just again, I think this is to me a setup episode. And although it builds the relationship with between Joel and Ellie and they it, it introduces, you know, some original characters in a you know great way and like makes you sympathize for the, these characters that are very one note in the video game or not even existent in the video game, I think. Yeah, I, I think this one just left a little bit more to be desired for me personally. It's also the shortest, so that maybe played a factor. Maybe I just wanted more. I wanted it yeah. to continue going. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It would continue going if it wasn't week to week, Adrian. Just saying. Ah, uh, ah, you got me there. But yeah, that's true. I feel like each of these episodes have been fairly, not necessarily self-contained, because that's not true. You have to watch this episode by episode. Uh, episode it's three, a journey. I, yeah, I feel like it can't be um, self-contained. Yeah, but like I feel like there are like these brief, almost uh, not huge time skips between each episode. But, you know, there there is it feels like each episode has a beginning, middle and end, whereas this one I feel like ended in the middle uh, to me. Um, so but the second really episode, my only it really does the same thing, don't you think? Except it's just it, it feels a little bit more flawed, like it's just a little bit worse. No, hmm. I don't know. I don't. I don't agree with that. But I respect your opinion. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. I respect your opinion. So let's let's move Thanks, on. Thanks, man. Uh, that, yeah, it's good. look at us respecting each other. <laughs> yeah, it's so nice. I love Incredible. respecting wow. you, man. Wow, wow. One of my favorite pastimes is respecting you. Oh, that's nice. It's a lot, yeah. but. Uh... It's a little odd, but yeah, it's a little bit. Okay. Anyway, Adrian, we also watched a movie in theaters and we watched it separately this time, although we never watched anything quite together because we don't talk outside this podcast, but we didn't go to the theaters together and sit beside each other quietly this time to go watch the movie Knock at the Cabin, which we both saw separately. Mm -hmm. What did you think of M. Night Shyamalan's latest movie, Knock at the Cabin? (laughs) I thought you had an accident. (laughs) Hans the guy. Yeah. I did shit myself as well, yeah. No, no. While, while doing that, but... <laughs> no, I meant just the... You fell over and you... You, you hit metal. No. I was doing the Dave Batista knocking at the door of the cabins, I think, seven times. Something like that. It was a abnormal amount of knocks. Uh, <laughs> but sure. uh, I don't know. I think this movie's pretty good. I quite liked it. I don't think it's amazing. I don't think it's great, but I don't think it's bad or okay. I think this is like the definition of a good movie. Um, I think the writing, if we're comparing it to his most recent movie, Old, is miles better, although still a bit awkward. Um, I think the performances from the cast are excellent, especially Dave Bautista. I think he kind of thrives in this weird sort of setting. And and although, again, the writing isn't perfect, I think he delivers all the lines in a very convincing way. And it's weird to see such a big and menacing dude in Dave Bautista seem almost gentle and kind of sweet. It's it's interesting. It's like him wearing a nice little button up shirt and glasses. And he's like almost a cute guy. You know, 
as opposed to this fucking behemoth of a man. Um, I think this movie is also like quite different from a lot of M night Shyamalan movies because you know, the premise is these four people show up to a cabin in the woods where a like gay couple and their adopted daughter are staying and, and they essentially tell their, the, the, the couple and the daughter that one of you have to die tonight. You have to sacrifice one of you to stop the apocalypse. And in a lot of M night Shyamalan movies, it's like, Hey, there's going to be a ginormous twist that you will never see coming. But in this movie, it's really just like, it's either real or it isn't, which is kind of interesting. I was still sitting there kind of, you know, expecting, is there going to be anything else? And I think M night Shyamalan did a really good job with this film. Um, and kind of adapting. I think this is based on a book. I forget what the book's name is. Um, a cabin at the end of the world cabin. or something like that. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, and I never read the book. I don't know what, what the premise of that book is, how similar it is, but um, I don't know. I, I, I quite enjoyed this. I think the, the cinematography is really great. I think there's a lot of interesting uses of just not necessarily lens flare, but like how the lens almost changes like in the middle of a scene in a weird way. Like it almost focus. like turns into a yeah, focus. Yeah. Like it almost turns into like a fisheye lens co- kind of thing. It almost yeah. feels like the aspect ratio is kind of changing as this, as this movie's playing out, even though it's not. Um, and I think yeah, the focus use is incredible. Like the way it's directed on a, like a shock composition aspect is, is phenomenal. And it's so M night Shyamalan. Like when you watch, like if you ever watch servant on Apple TV plus, you can tell the episodes he directs versus the other directors. And the other directors yeah. seem to kind of try to pull like in, mimic. Like create, yeah, mimic almost that tension because he sets the tone because uh, M. Night Shyamalan is the executive producer, an executive producer, producer of that show. And he directs yeah. it from the beginning and he directs multiple episodes each season. But you can kind of tell that they're trying to kind of do their own flair, but try to, because he set the tone, uh, try to do what he's done. Just like David Fincher kind of sets the tone for uh, House of Cards. And a lot of mm-hmm. the directors seem to tr- kind of follow the same patterns that David Fincher does in, in, for that show. And I, again, I love the way it's shot. And the, the way he uses close-ups as well mm-hmm. in this movie, especially in the beginning. And you notice it in the beginning, he does it throughout. But yeah. he, he shoots things like so symmetrically but then sometimes weirdly asymmetrical and the things he focuses on sometimes are not even the thing that's like the 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 actor that's talking it's so great and it creates crazy palpable tension that's just mm-hmm. so awesome like that's the best thing about this movie but sorry i, I interrupted you. I, I no i agree completely with that man like i and the tension begins right off the bat like this movie doesn't skip a beat it just begins and you're already in it and it's super intense and again it it starts off with like a conversation between dave batista and the young woman the little the little lady i forget her i forget the actress's name um but she's a kid actor she's probably i don't know what 10 in the movie and that right off the bat is already uncomfortable because it's like this big burly man talking to a kid with her parents not around but it's there's again there's something gentle about dave batista's performance and the close-up uh close-ups to their faces that make it uncomfortable but unsettling yeah like yeah it's very unsettling um but yeah uh like what what else did you think about this like what else did you take away from this like i think like i'm curious to hear what you have to say i didn't really like it no no oh. uh, so did you like it better than old though 
Oh, a hundred percent. Okay, okay, yeah. Old is like one of the worst movies I've seen in a while, and it's because it, the dialogue is obtuse and nonsense, and people don't act like people. And so, yeah, I true. love the cinematography in the, in Knock at the Cabin, and I, I think that it's brilliant and beautiful. And like, it's this is one of the most conflicting movies I've seen in a while because it's so beautifully shot and so beautifully acted. I agree with you. Like Dave Bautista is so empathetic. And I, I read that in a couple of reviews, people were saying he's in a very empathetic character and he's such a big guy. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's so interesting to watch. Ben Aldridge did a great job as um, I can't remember their names, honestly, the, the, he's one of the, the yeah, two, one the, of the, the couple, the, there. the husbands, Jonathan yeah, Groff jo- is the other one. And he's also stellar. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Like they're awesome. Everyone's great. And like, it's a very emotional movie. The problem with the movie, though, is for me, plot is king. And this is something mm. I, I'm going to probably, you're going to hear me say a lot on this, on this podcast, because I, I find that like it's the most important thing to me. I, I just don't care that much. Everything shot really well is beautiful. I love watching great cinematography. It's awesome. But I, I need the plot to make sense to me. And I find that this plot, I have to say, is silly. It, it's... I don't believe it is the biggest problem, I think. I, mm. I think it's the believability that I lost on. The news reports in this in, – there's like a, there's a news channel that they bring up uh, on various uh, occasions in this in this movie. Yeah. And I just don't believe it. It, it doesn't make sense. The way it's sh- – the, the news report is shot doesn't make sense. The movie is also – almost – it seems almost overproduced. Like it, it almost – because it plays into, hey, are these guys like – putting these news reports on the TV that they like pre-recorded and hired some random person to do, because that's all, almost how it seems like from the delivery of those news reports. And it kind of right. adds what, to the, the fact is like, Oh, is this true? Is this not? Right. And that's kind of, kind of the question. I think the audience is, is, is asked, do you believe that these four people coming to the house and proposing that they have to murder one of their family members or the world will end? Is this, true or is it not that's the question you're being asked the problem is is that they're not really they're not giving a good case for the for the the people entering the home the home invaders Mm -hmm. it's just the way that they present it and i'm I'm not going to spoil anything about what the plot line is or the twist i don't care i I definitely don't want to spoil anything here and we don't spoil anything on split focus but Mm -hmm. i don't think that the people coming to the house act like actual human beings their their arguments their things they say are silly they're not trying and everything is on the line it's so wild there's like if you're in their shoes they think everything's on the line whatever i what is it true what is it not who knows you're gonna have to watch the movie to find out but i'm not sure i can recommend it because they're not making like i think this movie is also plot is basically your favorite line the word for a bad plot plot convenience in a bottle Mm -hmm. it's a bottle episode it's in one place and the these these characters seem to not be explaining things properly because they want to create more mystery. And I just don't appreciate that. I think that that's fake and it's nonsense and I don't believe it. And another thing I don't believe is, well, it's a very, it's largely a bloodless movie and it makes no sense. And I know why they do this. And I can think about the reasons why M. Night Shyamalan chose to make this movie, make these, you know, people die in this movie, arguably. Like people get hurt at least. Mm-hmm. They at least get hurt. I'm not going to spoil if anyone dies. People get injured. You can see it in the trailer. Mm-hmm. But there's barely any blood anywhere. There's a man wearing a white shirt and he carries somebody who's bleeding and he barely has any blood on him after. 
it just makes no sense. The stakes are so high. There are there. It it just it's so silly. And it's I, and kind again, of uh, it's kind of reminiscent of like in Uncharted. There's literally a character that gets his like throat slit, and there's like no blood at all. <laughs> right. That's yeah. ridiculous. That's a terrible. That was that was awful. But that made sense because that was a PG thirteen movie. This is fourteen A in in Canada, and it's rated R in the states. Oh, is so it? This is the choice, a deliberate oh. choice to do it this way. And I, I can see why they didn't do this. There's a, there's a, the violence, if you have direct violence, like think, if you think Adrian about the violence you see in this movie, if you were that family, the question is, would you ever believe these people based on what they've seen? Like there's, there's problems there potentially, right? So that's the question I think that M. Night Shyamalan tried to, to fix. He, it was a, it was a thing he tried to, to fix by not showing certain elements of the violence but i just don't buy it because of it and it it's the buying it the believability that's the problem mm. and so i just think it's silly and the, oh also lastly the flashbacks are useless there's flashbacks in this movie they don't help to to there's so many mysteries in this movie that they just fail to solve and the flashbacks are just a waste of time we already know, if you think, think Adrian, about what the flashbacks are about, each flashback, yes, of course we know that happened for each one of them because they said it did. <laughs> like there's literal exposition that explains the flashbacks and then they mm. happen. What's yeah. the point? I, I don't understand. It's, it's, I, I, when I left the theater, I was thinking, do I like this movie? I kept thinking like, but it's so well shot. The acting was so emotional. There is so much tension. I was like wrapped up in it. I was like, I was immersed, I guess. But I, mm-hmm. I took me out multiple times in the movie because of these little elements. And by the end of it, when I kept thinking about it and turning it in my brain, I was like, no, actually, this isn't good. Yeah, I got caught up because of all of these, the, the great flair that M. I. Shyamalan brings to his directing. But ultimately, the plot line, it just doesn't do it for me. And that's the biggest mm. issue. It's just not, I don't believe it. And therefore, I rate this a two and a half out of five. Two and a half. Fair enough. It's not bad necessarily, but I have a hard time recommending it. It's like more like a meh. You know, you might want to see it. It's really well <laughs> shot. Dave Bautista gives the performance of his maybe of his life so far, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, that's fair. I, I I would rate this a three and a half out of five. So we're sitting at a, at a solid six out of ten, which I think is a fair sort of a... You know, estimate for for how well this or like how good this movie is. Um, I, yeah, I did enjoy this definitely way more than you did, and and I I do tend to agree. Like there were those flashback scenes did feel like very unnecessary. Um, it didn't progress the plot in any meaningful way. Um, they even keep one of the flashbacks kind of like a mystery, and you would assume that the reason they're showing that flashback is to add more like mystery and, and intrigue to the plot, but it, it really doesn't go anywhere. Uh, it's the one in the bar in particular that I'm bringing up. So, right. Yeah. yeah what the hell? Yeah, that, <laughs> I kinda, understand. That, that was, that was a point. I, I felt like when they showed that I was like, Oh, okay. And then, yeah. Anyways, I don't, I don't want to dive into it and just talk. Very yeah, we don't want to spoil it. Yeah. Like but, it, uh, the, you'd think I that it would it. try to prove certain elements of the mystery. That was the mm-hmm. idea, there, but there's also a bunch of coincidences. The last shot, the last bit of the movie, the last maybe five minutes. Why? why? I, 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 oh, oh, I don't understand. The last, the last moment, the last scene or couple scenes are just to me disappointing. I just don't yeah. understand. It made me uncomfortable. I'm like, this doesn't even make sense. There's like, there's like yeah. a radio station type situation. 
if you, if you know what I'm talking about. I just yeah, don't I know understand exactly. what's yeah. going on. Like, what? okay. What, well, why though? <laughs> like, well, I want to know why. <laughs> the whole thing. I don't understand. What is it? What? What is it? I don't. I don't believe it. And I and I left and I turned to my girlfriend. I'm like, "Do you like this?" And she's like, "It's okay." I'm like, "Yeah, that's what I thought. It's okay. It's fine." Fair enough. I just don't. I, it did not hit the spot. It's funny. I want to. I almost want to go over some of the old M Night Shyamalan movies, like watch The Village again, because I remember liking The Village, and I maybe never watch the Signs again, or, or 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 The Sixth Sense. Maybe the plots are always kind of this silliness. Maybe they're always kind of like this. I find. Mm-hmm. Um, M.I. Shyamalan directs great. Like I, I said this before, I think he directs beautifully. I just think when he's writing, sometimes it just it feels disconnected. I love Split, actually, to to be honest. That was a great movie. Yeah, Split's great. Unbreakable is really good, too. Glass is good until the last, like, 20 minutes where it makes no fucking sense. But, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, oh, yeah, the ending of Glass is terrible. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I remember sitting in the theater just being like, what the fuck? Anyways, yeah, I don't, I don't want to talk about that makes it not worth watching honestly that's the problem i would argue yeah yeah because it's it's such a un, it's it's the opposite of satisfying in terms of a conclusion to this and it's the dumbest fucking shit that makes literally no sense it's yeah yeah that that yeah. movie pissed me off genuinely because <laughs> it was so good up until the last like 10 15 minutes 20 minutes whatever yeah but, hey what can you do? What can you do? At six out of ten on Rotten Tomatoes, that would technically be a fresh, a fresh tomato. Yeah, mm. it's interesting. I like this scoring where we're both tomatoes. scoring it, and it adds together to maybe be. I like this is a this is drastic or almost not as drastic as it's been so far in terms of our opinions. It, it's interesting. It's cool. Yeah, it, this is the one we, we've we've mostly been aligned so far. I feel like other than this movie, it's true. But it's early days. Start watching things that we let's start review, reviewing The Bachelor every week, Simon. Because I'll read no. it a five, you'll read it a one. That'd be terrible. I would not yeah. want to do that. I mean, there's so there's good. merit to The Bachelor, the drama, the excitement. You know, I get it. Ooh. I just feel it's a little bit wa- a waste. That, that that's kind of my aspect of it. I get it. I understand yeah. why you might like it. I get that aspect. I just don't think there's so much of that TV out there. I just I can't to me waste my time watching that mm. personally. No offense to you in any way. Offense taken. Nope. Don't take that fence. Don't take it. Don't take the fence. Okay, Adrian. Let's get on to the news, shall we? Let's do it. No. Oh, yes. We got a big news story, so let's get to it. <gasps> let's begin with our focus news story this week. A story that we've determined to be one of the most exciting pieces of news in the film and TV industry over the past seven days. Woo. Buckle up. Buckled. As followed by publication The Hollywood Reporter, DC Studios co-chairman and CEOs Peter Safran and James Gunn have released the plan for the inception of their centralized DC universe. Wow. They assembled a writer's room to start creating the first chapter of their roadmap for a cohesive DC storyline titled Chapter 1, Gods and Monsters, that will span films, TV series, animation, and even video games. The team of writers is composed of Gunn and Safran, The Flash screenwriter, Christina Hodson, Disney Plus Moon Knight showrunner, Jeremy Slater, HBO's Watchmen writer, Crystal Henry, and Supergirl comic book author, Tom King. Chapter 1, Gods and Monsters, is so far composed of 10 newly announced DC films and TV series with more to be declared somewhere down the line. Therefore, the first chapter technically does not begin with the four films already on the DC slate for this year. 
the Zachary Levi starring film Shazam Fury of the Gods, director Andy Muschietti's The Flash. I'm sorry. Shazam. Oh, yeah. Director Andy Muschietti's The Flash movie, the Angel Manuel Sota directed Blue Beetle movie, and the Jason Momoa starring Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom film are all said to be a part of the DC universe, but do not kick off chapter one of the eight to 10 year DC plan. Gods and Monsters officially begins with an animated series called Creature Commandos, which is written by James Gunn and that will feature characters with their associated voice actors that will cross over into the unified DC universe. The next planned project is the Viola Davis starring Waller TV series, which is being written by Watchmen screenwriter Cristal Henry and will follow the American government's Task Force X mastermind, Amanda Waller. Peter Safran pointed out to reporters that these first two projects are more so appetizers for the DC Universe that will truly begin with the James Gunn-written Superman reboot film called Superman Legacy, which is planned for a July 11th, 2025 launch date. After that, the DC team plans to premiere a Space Cops true detective-style Green Lantern-centered HBO Max TV series called Lanterns that will feature Green Lantern characters Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart. From there, they plan to launch a movie called The Authority that will dive headfirst into the morally gray. Mm. They're also planning a Game of Thrones-style HBO Max series that will focus upon the political intrigue surrounding Wonder Woman's home, the island of Themyscira. The seventh property on the DC lineup is the DC Universe's Batman character reboot that will be based upon comic book writer Grant Morrison's version of The Caped Crusader. This new DC Universe centralized Batman film will be called The Brave and the Bold and will also feature Batman's rebel son, Damian Wayne, as sidekick Robin. The eighth property to be developed is an HBO Max TV show centered on lesser-known DC character Booster Gold. Booster is a poser superhero who travels from the future with technology that makes him seem like a powerful super being. Chapter 1 will also feature a movie centered around a much darker version of Supergirl, with a story largely drawn from writer Tom King's comic book miniseries. And lastly, they plan on making a horror film focusing on the origins of Swamp Thing, with Logan director James Mangold currently in talks to direct. Nice. James Gunn was also wise to point out in the Roadmap video, released to fans that many projects like director Matt Reeves' Bat Reeves-averse, director Todd Phillips' Jokerverse, and the Titans Go TV series exist on their own planes of existence and will therefore be labeled as DC Elseworlds properties from here on out. Those specific properties, including screenwriter Tanahisi Coates' in-development Superman movie, will apparently all be siloed from the centralized DC universe and should not cross over. Matt Reeves' Robert Pattinson starring The Batman Part 2 is planned for release on October 25th, 2025, with no official announcement as to the status of the Bat reeves Averse Penguin Center TV series. But a glimmer of hope emerged when Penguin actor Colin Farrell was recently interviewed by publication Variety and mentioned that he is scheduled to begin shooting the HBO Max crime drama on February 8th. Farrell also said that the story for the eight-episode series is designed to pick up a week after the plot of 2022's movie, The Batman. Mm. Adrian, this is some news. This is definitely some news. There's a lot of news. There's lots here. It's too much news, arguably. It it is. It's tough to try to address it all, so I'll just Mm. ask you what stood out to you the most. Um, Yeah, what stood out to you the most? Simon, you want to know what stood out to me the most is that James Gunn said that The Flash is going to be used as the movie to reboot this universe. And I've said this for so long, and you looked me dead in the microphone, 
and said, you fucking idiot. That's never going to happen. Go shoot yourself in the, in the toe. I and, really I, didn't. and I was like, Oh, I can't wait for you to eat your goddamn humble pie. You really misremember what this. actually happened. <laughs> so that is the one thing I, did I do want to point out that it was and... not going to happen. I did not say that. <laughs> You said verbatim. I can't tell if you know or not based on your laugh, but you said that verbatim and you called me dumb I for said it. Ezra but... Miller would not necessarily be it, like what's going to happen with Ezra Miller. It's a question of mm. how the, is it going to reboot? How is it going to reboot with Ezra Miller as the lead considering there are troubles with the law? Yeah, that was my issue. I don't know. I feel like, I mean, you can go find the podcast episode. Go for it. Whatever that might be, episode eighty. No, I don't need to. I don't believe that I really argued with you too fervently on this topic. <laughs> I think you misunderstand. But yeah, apparently that Andy Muschietti, the Flash uh, movie, is brilliant. Um, that's what I think Peter Safran came out and said. Like it's one of the best like superhero movies to date. So again, I'm I'm a big fan of Andy Muschietti's It movies. So I'm vi- wasn't it Gun? I thought James Gunn said. Oh, maybe that. it was Gun. One of them said it. Um, and it made me very excited about like this, the flash movie. And I know Ezra Miller, they had, uh, their issues with the law and they're on the road to recovery and everything. And I believe James Gunn even came out and said that, you know, like we're, we're here to support him and, uh, oh, sorry, we're here to support them and they are on their like path to recovery. Hopefully they continue on that path and maybe they can use Ezra Miller in the future, but I highly doubt that's going to happen. I'll be honest with you. And I'm curious to see how that's going to work out all in all. But it's nice that they're finally coming out and giving us that plan. They waited until the last possible day to really tell us about it. And, you know, it's it's cool because this seems very unique. It seems very different. And, you know, even just starting the universe off, uh, off with like these creature commandos, I have no idea who these characters are. I know Weasel is apparently a part of it. I saw like a, cause James Gunn posted some comic books that they're uh, inspired by. And I know Weasel was on the cover of like the creature commandos one. So I imagine uh, that'll be like directly tied to the suicide squad. Cause that character is in that movie. So Sean Gunn, Sean Gunn, indeed his brother, his brother to James Gunn. Um, But yeah, so it's interesting. I'm very curious to see what they're going to do with these next four movies though, because they said that, you know, these movies are still releasing and they're going to be somewhat tied to the DC universe, but I'm curious to see where they exactly fall. And if that's fully true, or if like, they're just never going to be referenced again. Um, That that's the one thing I'm very curious about. And I know with the, uh, and cause they announced booster gold. And again, I'm not a, super huge into comic knowledge but one thing i do know is that blue beetle blue beetle and booster gold uh they're buddies a lot of the time in the comic books and they go on adventures together so i'm curious if they're gonna use the same you know blue beetle actor i forget his name off the top of my head but the guy from cobra kai um in you know the future dcu and if they're gonna you know like tie those two properties together in any way if blue beetle is actually gonna come out which i have a very hard time believing but i I think it will because they just reconfirmed it but yeah like in terms of the upcoming universe i mean this is this is a pretty solid list of stuff it's cool because again like i mentioned with the creature commandos it's 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 unique it's going to be totally different and the authority which is kind of diving into that like morally gray sort of um, idea. I think that's that's really interesting. Um, I I know nothing about the Authority comic books, but uh, 
doing a little bit of research. It just seems that they're, you know, they're very, uh, it's like they have similar characters to the main Justice League and like even Marvel uh, heroes because it was based on like a comic series before it was purchased by Warner Brothers. I think it was like an Image Comic run and then DC bought Image Comics, something along those lines and then tied them into the main universe. But they're just down to, you know, blow planets up or do whatever else like they'll get shit done and they don't really care about being you know, morally good. So I think that's going to be uh, really interesting. And again, the way that James Gunn talked about, you know, the Green Lantern series being like a true detective, like detective story. Um, and uh, the Themyscira series, like the Wonder Woman prequel being like Game of Thrones. That sounds like a cool explanation to me. Um, kind of gets me excited. And the idea of, you know, bringing in a you know, a Robin in terms of Damian Wayne to the live action screen. I don't think he's been introduced in live action movie form ever. I think we've only really had a Robin in like a couple of the Batman live action movies, the Clooney one. And if I recall correctly, um, so it's cool that we're going to see more of a duo kind of. And uh, I mean, it's probably only a matter of time uh, until we start hearing about casting for all these characters and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm very curious to see how this works out. And I hope it is successful. It does. Uh, it is a little bit of a bummer that they're so far behind and that we're going to have to, you know, wait quite a while for this to, you know, kind of start building up. But I'm definitely intrigued. Well, what do you think about this main, like the main news, the the old stuff, the new announced stuff? Like, what are you feeling? I think it was presented pretty well. I like the way it was very, like, I like the video, the way the video was presented. I like that they mm -hmm. apparently got a bunch of reporters from various, like, uh, news sites, like, you know, the Hollywood Reporter in a room, and he they kind of broke it down for them and stuff like that. I thought that was a neat way to do this. And I don't know. I, I think there's way more excitement on my perspective. I wonder about the average audience. I don't know if the average audience caught the video. I don't know. I, I guess the, the, how well it circulated is the question. But I, I kind of am interested in this because I, I just want a cohesive DC universe because anything is better than what that we've been given anyway. Um, but I'm kind of curious about the maturity rating because of the mention of Game of Thrones and True Detective. That's the mm -hmm. thing I think I'm most interested in, in. They're mentioning these TV series in which, you know, they're going to, you know, talk more about the island of Themyscira, but also the Green Lanterns will be introduced. But they're mentioning really mature TV shows that are TVMA. Mm -hmm. Like, are these going to be mature TV shows? Like, why would you mention that with Green Lantern that it's like true detective? What a weird... I get... I, I mean, what a weird they're, comparison, they're yeah, it's a weird comparison. I get why they might because it's literally on HBO Max and HBO made True Detective and they made Game mm. of Thrones. So that comparison, I get it, but it's pretty strange. Like if you if you actually think about it, like this is a superhero property. Yeah, no, I, I kind of agree with that because I mean like Peacemaker is also mature and like Peacemaker is going to be canon. The Suicide Squad is also like a mature, you know, like rated R type movie. I'm curious, like – are they going to be releasing the movies as like, you know, PG 13 movies and keeping the series that you can watch on HBO max, like more adult and R rated. Like I'm, I'm very curious how they're going to kind of break that down. They did say specifically like the Marvel, they're trying to not do the Marvel universe again. I think that, that that's pretty neat. I also just admire James Gunn's passion for this. Like he really, mm. really likes these properties. Like it's, like he 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 gave like a personal story apparently to reporters about how he was as he was a kid he felt lost and his family like 
got had him go to see a psychiatrist and then the psychiatrist said you should just do what you love and he was just writing comic books and reading and writing and that's really how he got out of his funk and then like his dad took him to like a comic-con and he was like it was one of the best weekends of his life like i'm like oh man reading that in that hollywood reporter article it's worth reading for anyone interested in this you know dc reboot but it's just uh i don't know it's something about that i really admire that aspect like I'm sure Kevin Feige is also as passionate because he's created something so wild. Like he's created mm-hmm. like a dynasty with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I yeah, think that, something that we've literally never seen before. Like it's amazing. Yeah, and I think that James Gunn can do something similar in, in scope. Yeah. Maybe not the same thing because he's trying to do something different, which I admire as well. But I, I, I hope he can pull it off as in scope. And I think he can. He might be the best person for it. Uh, I don't know. It's it's pretty cool. Like even the Supergirl series too, to speak to the TVMA thing mm-hmm. uh, or rated R aspect, like that Tom King superhero, uh, Supergirl story apparently is Supergirl is on a rock and her whole family has been murdered around her and she's like 14 years old and she's like on the, like a piece of Krypton, like floating through space until she comes to earth. Like what? That's really dark. It's like, yeah. is, is this for kids? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I'm like, I'm good with it because I've, you know, I've grown up somewhat with these characters. My favorite character by far is Batman, though. And hearing mm-hmm. about Brave and the Bold is funny. I'm excited to see another Batman movie. It doesn't matter to me that it's it's the fifth Batman in like how many years? In the, in the Flash, we're going to get Michael Keaton back as well. And mm-hmm. we have Ben Affleck in the Flash. But Ben Affleck won't be do, like being Batman anymore either you know kudos to you for yeah. calling it as a soft reboot Adrian. wow you're you're a you're a some might say you're I'm a, a prophetic you're like a thank you, you. Know, an oracle yeah an oracle adrian some people would say that but not oracle <laughs> from the batman canon but like oracle as in an oracle yes yeah what oracle from an oracle yeah from an oracle well that's flowery language yeah no big deal very good i got you bro but yeah, that's actually that, you know, speaking of flowery language, that's the best part of the way that they presented this, the, the way he described like James Gunn described it, even in that video, like a true detective game of Thrones, like, the, well, it's, it's, it's how do you appeal to a larger audience? Like people know what yeah. game of Thrones is at the very least, right? Like, how do you make someone interested in this DC universe that doesn't have any interest in comic books? You reference one of the largest TV shows of the past decade and say, hey, we're making a TV show that's going to be similar to this, right? Like, It I is, think- but it's also a very mature TV series. So I, again, it's, yeah. just, it's just interesting. I, mm. I agree with you. It's smart. But HBO only makes really mature content too. So like, well, not really because they've got Supergirl. Oh, sorry, yeah, Superman on there. Superman and Lois or whatever. Yeah. And which isn't canceled either, by the way. That's just, that's also siloed in its own like DC Elseworlds spot. Also, Come on, we got to talk about this. The penguin, the penguin's probably mm-hmm. being made right now, like in a couple days from when this episode are or or the day of our episode airing. Theoretically, Colin Farrell will have started shooting. Will it happen? Maybe it'll be canceled. Maybe on the eighth there'll be an announcement. I hope not. Sorry, actually, the penguin show isn't happening. Guess we'll see. That would be messed up. It would be very sad. I, I'm hoping. I, I'm hoping that it is happening because I was worried because James Gunn didn't mention. Uh, the penguin at, like in that video at all he talks about teen, Titan, teen, teen titans go he talks about matt reeves's like batman part two he talks about todd phillips joker he, he even talks though. 
To be clear, he doesn't talk about Matt Reeves Batman Part Two in the actual video. Just is he not? I swear to goodness, he no, he doesn't. Mm. In fact, he doesn't even reference the new Joker movie. He just says Todd Howard, uh, Todd Howard, (laughs) Todd Phillips, Todd Todd Howard, the Bethesda (laughs) creator, Bethesda Softworks. Uh, No, no, uh, Todd Phillips Joker. He just mentions the universe, but not the actual property. And he says the same thing yeah. about Matt Reeves' Batman. He doesn't say the Batman. He says Matt Reeves' Batman. So just, mm. again, I, I – because you messaged me through proxy because, of course, we don't talk outside this podcast. So you messaged somebody and they told me that, you know, you're worried about the Penguin because they didn't mention – they didn't really mention the Matt Reeves' Batverse very much. But I, he was trying – he was only trying to talk about the DC Universe in that presentation in the video, in the five, six-minute video that he released to fans. He did talk, though, apparently behind the scenes to reporters about how the Batman Part Two is coming. Now, that that mm. happened. And it's supposed to come out – oh, and I think uh, Peter Safran said specifically, like, Batman and Superman are coming out in the same year. Isn't that going to be an exciting year or something along those lines? Because it's Batman yeah. – the like, Matt Reeves' Bat – like Bat Reeves-verse, mm-hmm. the Batman Part Two is coming out in 2025, and that Superman Legacy movie is also coming out in 2025. So that, yeah. that's pretty wild. Like I'm excited yeah. for I that. Hope- that's going to be cool. But I, I'm most excited for Bat the Bat Reeves-verse. I'm sorry, me it's too. Just the thing me I'm too. most hyped for. Yeah. Do you, like I know they don't have a director for the Superman movie yet like do you think james gunn's gonna also direct this movie because i feel like i don't know it's the movie that's gonna launch your universe like you i feel like this is if this is your bit you're a creative this is your baby that you are making don't you want to be the first director involved like don't you want to be the guy that sets the tone and does all of that sort of stuff I, i'm unless he's working on a different project that was something he talked about though yeah. i don't know he did talk about the fact that he doesn't want to he's not making this the james gunniverse that he said that so there was something in the again that hollywood reporter mm-hmm. article like it's very important that he he honors the creative visions behind all of the directors that they hire and that they they want to create like hire and empower really great creators and they want to make each each individual property each thing that they're making in these 10 movies or tv shows unique and could stand on their own in a in a powerful way that was part of their their pitch which is exactly what kevin feige said in the early days of the marvel cinematic universe he said that like yeah it's not about making a universe first you got to make each movie stand alone amazingly and then you can maybe think about branching out afterwards you can start thinking about you know the end credit scene linking to other other things that's not the focus focus is make an amazing movie and then afterwards, think about the universe. And I think that that's very respectable. But yeah, we'll see how it turns out. Color me excited. Yeah, they got a good that that writers room is great too. Like I really like that writers room. Like <laughs> like that's how you know they obviously have faith in in that Flash movie because Christina Hodson, who wrote that Flash movie is part of that writer's room. So like yeah, him I saying the, like, it's I one think... of the best superhero movies he's ever seen. James Gunn, like that's yeah pretty great praise i think the odd man out in that list is definitely jeremy slater with the, being the moon knight showrunner which again i uh I, I didn't love i don't i don't think i loved all his, his decisions in that but uh, other than him i i'm fairly confident he doesn't have the greatest track record yeah in general like he's not it's not terrible but if you look at rotten tomatoes like reviewers don't love what mm-hmm. he's made but moon knight was well reviewed yeah so yeah oh, it's exciting for sure tis indeed
Tis indeed, my friend. Alrighty, Adrian. Now onto the montage, a sequence of our show in which I briefly present seven of the week's smaller news stories as Adrian delivers a brisk verdict. Number one, as tech website The Verge reports, the Netflix live action adaptation for the incredibly popular anime series One Piece will officially premiere sometime in 2023. Oh, I can't wait to watch one piece of this show. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that, was, that was an attempt at a joke. <laughs> Number two, as reported by publication The Hollywood Reporter, streaming service Paramount Plus has renewed the Helen Mirren, Harrison Ford starring Yellowstone spin-off series 1923 for a second season. Oh, cool. That's wonderful. I still got to get into Yellowstone. I still got to do it. Number three, as website Deadline reports, the Ridley Scott-directed Gladiator sequel film that will likely star the lost daughter actor Paul Mescal will officially premiere on November 22nd, 2024. Neato, I never watched the original Gladiator, I don't think. Hmm. Number four, as publication Variety reports, Netflix's That 70s Show spin-off sitcom That 90s Show has been renewed for a second season. Right on, good for them. Netflix actually renewing a show. Nice to, he nice to hear. Ooh, throwing shade. Yeah. Number five, as Deadline reports, HBO Max's DC TV series Pennyworth, which follows the origin story of Batman's butler, Alfred Pennyworth, has been canceled after its third season. Yeah, this is an odd one. I honestly didn't even realize that this was a thing. Um, I kind of forgot about its existence. Is it the show, like, full name, like Pennyworth, the origins of Batman's butler? Something like, something ridiculous like that? It's... <laughs> Something like that. I'm pretty sure it's show run by Bruno Heller, who made the Gotham series and The Mentalist. Oh, oh, was this connected to that universe, like the Gotham universe? Uh, no, though. No, I don't believe so. What? That's stupid. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, number six. As Variety reports, streaming service Hulu has renewed their Jason Sudeikis starring Marvel Comics adult animated series Hit Monkey for a second season. This is a really weird announcement because that show came out, I want to say, almost two years ago at this point. Yeah, 2021. And uh, yeah, I just assumed they would cancel everything that's not like Disney Plus. But Disney Plus was already out in 2021. Yeah, I guess so. This was announced after Disney Plus had launched. Yeah. This is like Modoc. Modoc got canceled. Yeah, but Modoc got canceled. Yeah. But it was. It, but Modoc was being made after Disney Plus mm. launched. It just didn't do that well, I don't think. Yeah, I don't know. Number seven. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Paramount Global is merging their Showtime TV channel and streaming service with their Paramount Plus streaming service in an attempt to consolidate their brands. Therefore, some Paramount Plus streaming content will now air on their linear Showtime TV channel, while the premium tier of Paramount Plus will host Showtime content. Both the traditional paid TV channel and the premium version of Paramount Plus will now be called Paramount Plus with Showtime. Wow. This new direction is unfortunately leading to the cancellation of some Showtime TV shows like the John Bernthal starring series American Gigolo, the child vampire drama Let the Right One In, and the never aired Shailene Woodley starring series Three Women. Mm, that's an interesting one. That's an interesting one indeed. Indeed. And that concludes the montage. <laughs> Montage. Anyway, Simon, just to jump back into that final story, because I think that's an interesting one. A long one. Is, a long one. Yeah, it's usually our montage. Montage stories are short. So. Yeah. The one thing I do want to applaud is the creativity of the name. Paramount Plus with Showtime. That's brilliant. That's brilliant naming. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't have thought of a better name myself. <laughs> Genuinely. <laughs> um, <Yeah>. But... <laughs> 
<laughs> it's so almost like new theatrical releases with special streaming mentions. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's true. But I, I don't know. I think this is kind of an interesting move. I think the consolidation of, you know, multiple streaming services and, and stuff like that is is beneficial to the wider audience. The one thing I'm kind of curious about, because we don't really get the, do we get the premium tier of Paramount Plus in Canada or we just get like the $10 a month channel? Like, I don't think we get any See, of the now, live TV. This is what I'm worried about on a perspective of like, for a streaming service, because so I, I just want finished Yellow Jackets. Awesome show. Fantastic. Definitely mm-hmm. recommend it. Yeah. Great ending to the first season. It's great, but it's a Showtime show. And I'm watching it on Crave. Will Crave drop its Showtime content? Because Paramount Plus, which I found odd because Peacock is not available here, but Paramount Plus and CBS All Access before it was called Paramount mm-hmm. Plus. We're available in Canada and are and is currently available in Canada. If you want to watch Halo, you know get on that <laughs> sign up to paramount yeah. plus but will paramount plus like take their you know quality showtime shows like for instance yellow jackets from crave and that's kind of what kind of what i'm worried about because i don't really want to subscribe to paramount plus mm-hmm. yeah me neither i get a lot of value in crave yeah it's interesting as well because i mean i know yellowstone the first four seasons of yellowstone yeah they are on Amazon Prime video. Like they were, it was an Amazon Prime original. But I think the fifth season and this 1923 show, they're both um, Paramount Plus series. Is 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 so like yeah, it's kind of confusing. Like, are they going to start taking away like their newer content and putting it exclusively on Paramount Plus, and then you know maybe the the older stuff, it maybe it's contracted with you know Bell in that case for uh, Yellow Jackets to keep the first season on Crave for however many years. I, I wonder if that's what they're going to do. I don't know. This that's a that's a confusing one for me. I I, I do agree with you. That is a worry because I don't want to lose content on Crave because. It's just, it's simply put, it's just losing content. Um, I, f- I would find that silly um, to be a supporter of. But yeah, I don't want to add Paramount. Like, I'm not going to get Paramount Plus as a service. Like, I'm, I'm just not. Like, this, it's not in the cards. Maybe for a month and I'll binge something. But if I was going to do it for something, it would have probably been Halo. And I never did it for Halo. So, I mean, wasn't that good, apparently. Yeah, that's true. Everyone I talk to says they don't love it. Let's yeah. just say that. I thought... Yellowstone though is not a it's not a Amazon Prime original. Is it? They just licensed it to them. Right? Yeah, maybe. I, I honestly don't maybe recall. I'm wrong. I just, it could be like a just, Ted Lasso situation. Warner Brothers technically owns it. Yeah. Makes Ted Lasso and it's on Apple TV Plus, right? I think Shrinking, yeah. the new show with Harrison Ford. This is a Harrison Ford on TV year, <laughs> apparently. But the mm. Shrinking, that Apple TV Plus show where Harrison Ford and um jason siegel yeah jason siegel a play a play i believe they both play psychiatrists mm-hmm. um that that is also i think a warner brothers show technically but it's on apple tv plus as an apple tv plus original because it's the same guy who makes that lasso and brett goldstein no it, shit eh oh no bill lawrence is brett brett goldstein is involved in, in it too yeah i just looked that up oh sweet yeah it's bill lawrence though like the one of the original, like the executive producer of Ted Lasso. But apparently it's kind of similar. Oh, and Jason Siegel created it as well. Yeah, we talked about this. We definitely talked about this on the podcast. I just didn't remember. That makes sense. I, I do recall a thing that Bill Lawrence was working with uh, Brett Goldstein, who's in Ted Lasso as an actor and a writer. Mm-hmm. I, I remember us talking about it on the podcast. 
like, I don't know, a year ago. But regardless, that show apparently is the same kind of vibe. It's like that positive vibe that Ted Lasso has. I'm just waiting for it to end. So, so Adrian, I'm going to pr- present this one thing uh, to you for a moment. Present it. Sitcoms. Sitcoms are 30 minute, 30 minute episodes. Yes. You like week to week now, apparently, right? So mm-hmm. would you watch something like Shrinking? It's only got three episodes. It's an hour and a half. One episode of The Last of Us in some spaces, in some episodes. Would you watch that week to week? Because it's a good show, apparently. It's got Harrison Ford in it. And it's made by two creators that we kind of like because they made Ted Lasso, which we arguably think is one of the best uh, yeah. comedies in a while. So, um, I don't know if I would. Like, maybe. It's it's a big maybe. Like, I still... I, I like having the option. Like, But I don't know. There, there, I think there's merits for both. I just think for certain properties properties that have like a big discussion around them as you call it water cooler talk like the last of us it it benefits from a week-to-week release whereas i don't really know that many people watching shrinking and i probably wouldn't really have a conversation with anyone other other than maybe you if you also were watching it about that so the only reason is for the water cooler talk you want to be a part of the zeitgeist conversation I think that's that the, that's probably one of the biggest factors, but it is also, again, nice having a couple of shows that you know that like, hey, like on this day of this week, I'm going to be watching this like I have Bachelor yeah. every week, which is awesome. And now I have also have The Last of Us every week. And then on Wednesdays, I didn't mention this, but uh, every Wednesday, I think uh, How I Met Your Father is releasing on Disney Plus as well, like the second season. So me and uh, my girlfriend have been watching that as well. So we have like these three shows that we can kind of just jump to. At least three nights a week, we know that we have at least something to watch. And then we usually have something else running in the background that we can kind of binge, which is Game of Thrones. Right. But like, so Ted Lasso, I believe, if I recall correctly, you waited until it came out completely for the second season before you watched no, it. No, I want to say I watched Ted Lasso week to week. I don't think you did. I could be wrong, but I feel like I did watch it week to week. Okay. All right. I don't I, I honestly don't remember. We we could go back in time and like listen to our older episodes, but I feel like I did watch that you might have. week to week. I think you waited. I would ask you how you felt about that, but you don't remember if you did it or not. So so, yeah. so I feel like I definitely didn't do it. I did did, mm. did not do that. There's too many shows that have already launched. It's just a waste of my time. I, I I'm watching a show every day with a meal, like a dinner or lunch or something like that. So I'm not again, I don't like that that style but i i see you maybe you've completely turned turned around on this i guess i just kind of surprised Mm -hmm. because it just doesn't it doesn't appeal to me in any way it sounds like it's i thought maybe it was just a case of fomo for you like you didn't want to miss out on the conversation but if you're watching ted lasso i mean do you know a lot of people that watch ted lasso that you can talk to them about it with um no not particularly maybe just you so maybe so when ted lasso season three comes out ted lasso season three is coming out this spring right are you going to then watch it week to week? That I don't know because I think my Apple TV Plus subscription lapses in May. So depending on when oh. it releases, I probably won't renew like month to month. I might just like cancel it and then just renew it once it's all done so I can binge it. Yeah. I just, again, yeah. 30 minute shows, that's unbearable to me. That, that, that's like, I feel like the reason you didn't like this last, uh, last of us episode as much. I feel like that, that it bittered it for you because it felt like you felt like it was un. It's a series, so like it just felt incomplete, which makes sense because it's an episode of a show. There's not mm-hmm. many shows that do you know complete storylines in each episode. Like The Mandalorian season one and two, I feel like come to mind as like they did a pretty good succinct 
just, they yeah. did pretty great succinct episodes where they kind of felt like they wrapped up certain chapters. And I think they called them chapters mm-hmm. for each episode. So they did. Yeah. Anyway, well, well, I'm sure we'll talk about week to week as we go. I'm just trying to, I don't know. I, I'm, 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 I'm confused as to how you 180'd me on this. We were, we're on the same page and now you just kind of agree with the business model that HBO Max and Apple TV Plus have been been using, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting. Yeah. But yeah, Adrian, what do you have for me, buddy? What do you have for me? Let's move on to the next segment of our show here. What do you got for me? I got new theatrical releases with special streaming mentions for you. <laughs> nice. Nice. You did the voice too. Very good. With streaming special mentions. Did I? Was it always streaming special mentions? It it was it was it was not a uh, Berenstain Bear situation, as far as I know. Wild. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, I think you always said uh, special streaming mentions, though. We can change it. Okay. We cool. can change it in the document. Let's change it. Change it right now for me. No, you don't have to. You do it if you want it. It's your segment. No, yeah, I could. I have the document open. I literally have the document open. Anyways, um, yeah, so there's a couple of movies coming out uh, this year, Simon. Or sorry, this week, Simon. Uh, the first one being Magic Mike's Last Dance. Oh. And I think these Magic Mike movies are about men stripping for money. And this one is a musical. I don't know if all of them are musicals, though, that I do not know. And I didn't do any research mm. about it, but uh, mm. it doesn't really interest me. I didn't realize that the Magic Mike movies, maybe I did realize this and just forgot that these are uh, uh, Steven Soderbergh movies. Do you know that? I think I did it one time. And then you forgot? It is it is odd to think about. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. I feel like I looked into that at one point and I kind of just accepted it, but I feel like I've watched more Soderbergh movies lately or had them more on our radar since the podcast. And we haven't had a magic Mike, Mike movie come out recently. So it's, it's more jarring yeah. to think about it now, I guess, but mm-hmm. it's interesting stuff, but yeah, not something that typically interests me. Maybe they're really good. I, I just never went around to watching them. Um, and then the other movie that's coming out this week, Simon on Friday, February the 10th yes. is Titanic. It's it's getting re-released in three dimensions. It's the 25-year anniversary, Simon. You can watch you can watch the Titanic hit a fucking iceberg and, and sink and kill so many people in three dimensions. Wow, this man, James Cameron just wants to be top three. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh he's annoying, honestly. He's annoying. Top three for box office history. He is a bit, he's got a bit of an ego on him, doesn't he? It seems like yeah. he does. Yeah. He, I mean, maybe rightfully so, because honestly, I don't know how Avatar The Way of Water is doing so well, but it's like, I think it's yeah. number three now. Oh, no, no. It's Some, not number three. It's number three internationally, like, but not overall, back. which is still crazy. We are watching this this week as well. So uh, the, we'll talk about Avatar Way of, the water, Way of the Water next week, I think. The Way of Water. Way of avatar the way of water the avatar the the they're not the only blue thing in this movie the water's also blue that's what the movie's called apparently the high frame rate thing i i talked to somebody who watched this in high frame rate in a theater and apparently it's like something else he hyped it up so much for me yeah i'm curious about this because yeah again i think we'll go tomorrow that's good that we're doing it in that Mm mm-hmm like that's the main reason. Like I feel like if I watch this on Disney Plus after, I'd be like, oh, okay, what, what, it, what of it? You know what I mean? Like I got, I got yeah. a good TV, got it's good, got a good sound system, but I don't got high frame rate, whatever their high, I don't frame, have high rate frame rate projector rates. is. I don't even know what a high frame rate is, dude. 
Or maybe it would be a high frame rate on, like if you have a 120 hertz TV, maybe it would display in high frame rate. I don't know. Would Disney Plus upload it in that way? Is it like film? Like, is it shot? Like, is it shown at 120 frames per second? I don't know. I don't think it's 120. I think it's 60, isn't it? I don't know. I didn't do research about this. We'll talk about yeah. it next week okay, for sure. Cool. We'll, we'll definitely talk about it. But apparently it's in a higher frame rate. And like the, apparently the water motion, it looks unreal. That's what I was told oh, by somebody who watched Water it. motion. Wow. The water, the, the, yeah. The way of the water is incredible. The way of the water. We're going to go tomorrow, 445. Sound good? Kitchener Theater? VIP Theater. Sounds do it. Sounds do it. Sounds good. Let's do it. I'll buy the tickets. I will buy the tickets right now on air so people know. I don't think that's necessary. I think we should just get this show on the road because we're. Are we, okay. Wait, is that it? That's it. That's it. All the movies. That's pretty much that's it. it. That's all. That's that's all oh, the okay. movies, baby. But uh, th- but there is one more special streaming mention, Simon. Oh. But it's not a movies. It's not a movies. Oh. It's a TV shows, and oh. that is you. Me. Yes, you know the TV show. Oh. You you silly son of a mother. Oh. Yeah. Mother what? Hmm? just mother you are a son of a mother it's true that's so, true that is a fact yeah that is a fact um but yeah that that uh the season four part one is out on uh the ninth so that's that's out on thursday not friday so i am quite excited about this i really liked the first three seasons and um i'm gonna watch this yeah you didn't i think you were skeptical going in i feel like you you were made a believer. Yeah, I was very skeptical, and then I was pleasantly surprised. Very pleasantly surprised. I like watched it, and I was like, "Damn, this this is great. This is kind of like it's get it's giving me that Dexter fill, but it's better than Dexter." Hmm. Yes. The the reboot of Dexter, the soft reboot sequel series of Dexter. But yeah. Right. Good shit. Good with, shit. With Ezra Miller. Ezra Miller. In de- yeah. He, oh, the uh, funny. That's a good joke, Simon. Because the Flash is a soft reboot. I get it. Yeah, that was a good one. I mean, it, it's your prediction. Uh, you predicted it. I didn't. Yeah, I did predict it. I did. Oh, I did indeed. Oh my goodness! All righty <laughs> then, anyways, Adrian. That's it. That's let's all. Close this, let's close this show off. That's it for the uh, shut you the know, door. The regular scheduled programming for our episode. Shut the cabin door. Yeah, shut the cabin. Right. There's no door. I saw a review for, I was looking at some reviews for Knock at the Cabin because I was thinking, am I the only one who believes this? Because it's pretty, rated pretty highly on Rotten Tomatoes. It's like 68% or 69%. I was like, does anyone believe in what I was, what I think about this movie? And then I'm so middle, like I I feel like it's such a middling movie for me and the way it's shot is beautiful, but the plot is not great. And one of the, one of the reviews was like the, the, the tagline on Rotten Tomatoes was something along the lines of, I'll never forgive M. Night Shyamalan for not including door in the title. <laughs> it was something like that. that, was, that was the, oh, man. I was like, what? what? It's so ridiculous. I kind of like Knock at the Cabin. There's something about it. it once, you, once you get used to it. Like, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I think Knock at the Cabin door would have been better. Yeah. It's funny because the, the actual book is nothing is not named like that at all, really. Again, it's, it is Cabin, cabin in, at the End of the World or something. Like you said, but anyway, yeah. whatever. Adrian, do you have anything else to say before we wrap this show up? Anything do you want to say to our audience? Um, just real quick. If you want, um, you know, quick reviews, quick videos of uh, some of our stuff that we talk about, you can find us on YouTube and TikTok uh, and Instagram. I didn't mention that earlier. 
at uh, at jar underscore split focus. We just do quick, you know, under a minute reviews of episodes of The Last of Us. That's what we've been doing. But uh, maybe we'll do a knock at the cabin door one. Maybe maybe we did a glass <laughs> onion one already. I don't know. I, uh, I do know, but I'm not going to tell you. Um, that's really it, my friend. That's that's really it. OK, just to be clear, the the, the Rotten Tomatoes uh, aggregated review is from Reason Online. I haven't really heard of it, but from a guy named Kurt Loader. And the, the line is like the headline for the review is why Shyamalan neglected to tack on the word door at the end of the title is an issue that will have to be thrashed out between him and his God. Please copy me on that, guys. <laughs> that's the line. <laughs> you know how they all have like a tagline for the review? Like that's the line that represents that review. Um, But yes. Thank you for listening to the 104th episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and this is Adrian Pinter signing off. Tis I, Adrian Pinter. I am indeed signing off with the note that Batman v Superman is a good movie. So is Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City Town. And Avatar, the original Avatar movie, ain't that great. I don't like it. Hmm. Okay. And, uh... Knock at the cabin door. We rated it a six. I'm going to add that into the end of this episode now, too. No, Why please. Not? Can you please? We're trying to, again, trying to shorten, shorten. Goodbye, audience. Goodbye. Take care. Goodbye.